The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They're all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The world is a lot different these days, and the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are ready to help you safely navigate it. From helping you figure out the conscientious destinations to helping you figure out entry protocols for different countries, the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are there for you. Looking to work abroad for an extended period of time? Looking to attend virtual school from a remote location? These are all things that Blue Pineapple Travel can help you do. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in their ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust your training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you and to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by SlayRx. You can find those good folks at www.slayrx.com. Are you needing a pleasant spark to take your endurance game to the next level? Are you needing an all-natural, high-quality, customized hydration powder with or without sugar to stave off cramping and dehydration? Are you in need of an effective all-in-one fuel to slay your endurance efforts? Look no more. SlayRx. SlayRx has a really good line of products to serve our most pleasant exhaustion podcast listeners. Let's start with Michelle's favorite, Spark Plug, which replaces sports gel and gross post-race strips to the Porta Johns. It's a poppin' electrolyte powder in small, easily carried tubes. There's also an all-in-one endurance fuel. It has all of your electrolytes, clean fuel, and for no extra cost, your essential amino acids with or without caffeine. And it costs about one-third as much as other brands' combo rocket fuels. Finally, they have my favorite, SlayRx Hydrate Powder, which comes with or without sugar and varying strengths of electrolytes based on your individual needs. They can find those individual needs on the free quiz online at SlayRx.com or with in-person testing like Patrick and I did at their headquarters on podcast episode number 114. Hydrate is the fuel that I use during the Blue Ridge Relay this year, and I recommend it for all of you as well. SlayRx products are 100% natural, come in great flavors, are vegan friendly, and the Hydrate Light is keto friendly. They've all been well researched and developed by a UGA food scientist who's also an Ironman athlete. The products are tested by the pros and endorsed by your fellow endurance athletes and hardworking folks in the community. The free sweat quiz and their products can be found at SlayRx.com, on Amazon.com, or at your local run and bike shop if it's available. You can use the code PLEASANT21 for 10% off at their website. Thanks to SlayRx for sponsoring us, y'all. Give them a try. We appreciate our sponsors, and thanks to all of them for helping us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITL Coaching Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and Slay RX. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a college professor on spring break, and I'm the father of twin boys. My name is Michelle Frank. I am also an endurance athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. I am a CPA, and I am a mom to three girls, and I am not on spring break. (laughs) (laughs) I am suffering from another extension of a tax deadline. (laughs) 
like post-traumatic suffering incurred in my firm today. Point taken. I didn't even think about that. The, 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 the notice popped up today that said that we're evidently going to get until May 15th to file our taxes here in the United States. I didn't consider the fact that that would be bad news for you, whereas it's probably good news for, for, for many, many other Americans. Sorry, We've Michelle. Been living in the t- it's been tax season for like 15 months now. <laughs> Which is, makes it a hard life for CPAs. Michelle, this feels like old times. It's just like me and you talking about running. Are we talking about running? Because we haven't spoken about running yet. <laughs> Absolutely. We're going to talk about running. Before we do that, I want you to tell me what you're up to. What's new and exciting in your life? The most exciting thing is that I ordered the Puma Deviate Nitro women's running shoe. Hell <laughs> so yes, I'm you did. That's what I'm talking excited about. about that. It was released last week and it comes in four colors. And I purposely picked the ugliest color because <laughs> I want to make sure that I evaluate them on what they feel like on the run and mm-hmm. performance and how long they last. And I mean, if they have a narrow toe box, they're going to go right back, but hopefully, um, that's the only thing I've heard that makes me a little bit concerned about them for my foot, but yeah, they were released and I was talked myself out of it for 24 hours. And then I realized that I have three of four pair of shoes that I rotate on a weekly basis. Um, and that doesn't include my trail shoes mm-hmm. <laughs> and three of them are really ready to be replaced. And since mm-hmm. this is, you know, talent is kind of the daily trainer that does everything. I thought that instead of buying three new pair of shoes, I just become part of the Puma fam and I'm super excited they're coming tomorrow. Hashtag Puma fam. That's what I'm talking about here. I'm excited for you, man. Uh, I, I, I have mad respect for the fact that you were excited about these shoes and you went ahead and purchased them. I am. They're going to be so much better than your Skechers. It's just going to be so fun. <laughs> My Skechers that I had a significant trial in this past weekend, which we'll talk about here in just a minute. So, but I, but I liked them though. They were good. Um, That's good. <laughs> so, so very good. I, I, so you haven't gotten them yet. You say? No, they come tomorrow. What color is the ugliest color? Oh God. They're like this bright yellow. I mean, they're really horrible to be honest. Okay. So very the other good. colors, I mean, there was black, which looks super badass, but it made me think that I'm totally going to wear these and convince myself that I like them just because of the way that they look, even if Fair. they don't work for running. Mm-hmm. And then the orange color that's on the front of runner's world, which I also think is mm-hmm. pretty sweet. And then kind of a light pink color, which mm-hmm. I guess could be touted as almost as bad or maybe worse than yellow. But um, anyway, it's, it's so. it, having seen the light pink in person, it's a darker pink. Okay. Well then I'd probably prefer that over yellow. So I'm glad I got the yellow. Perfect. Very good. Well, I will look forward to hearing about them. Uh, the multiple workouts you do and then the do everything shoes, the long runs, the tempo runs, the hill repeats, everything else you do in these shoes over the course of the next short while no, here. The, the cost savings of a shoe that does everything is astronomical. Astronomical. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's you're saving so much money, Michelle. <laughs> I mean, it would have cost me like $400 to replace three pair of shoes at once. I never would have done it. I would have just you know, petered them out over the next several months. But now I basically have my New Balance 1080s, which I anyways want the new ones, but I really have no excuse to get them yet. And then I got rid of these other three pair or I will. And if these work, then if I ever actually do a workout again, I'll use these. (laughs) So economical, so economical. Well done, Michelle. I'm proud of you for joining the Puma fam. Very good. Um, Talking about things going on in our life here, like we always do, we're not really going round the horn per se, because there's only two of us here, but I did want to give a big shout out to the uh, the men's tennis team at the college where I work at Georgia Gwinnett College. Uh, this past Monday, they won yet another tennis match, um, and it was their 138th consecutive team win. Um, that, that makes them now the 
most winningest team in NCAA sports history, or it means that they have the, uh, the longest win streak of any team in NCAA history. Uh, they've already been for like the past year or so, the team with the longest current winning streak. And now they have the longest winning streak of any collegiate team ever all time, the men's tennis team at my little small college. Um, it actually only started back in 2013. Um, and over the course of that 138 wins, they've actually won six NAIA national championships. Um, they've only played 183 matches in their entire life. Um, and they've gone 183. Um, <laughs> so, so would go to Gwinnett just to play tennis? I mean, is that a thing? Yeah, or is it, yeah, yeah it's it a is. thing. Mm -hmm. And is it mostly in-state people or? No, no. Um, it's funny. So, so it's funny when, when colleges start and, and when they're trying to establish athletic programs, generally what colleges have done, sort of the traditional path, if you will, is that they get a whole bunch of sports and they get a whole bunch of coaches and they kind of suck and they get mostly local people and all that sort of thing. Um, and then they find their way into a conference and then they, they start to build a program. Um, the college where I work, went in the opposite direction. We only started in 2005 and we said, okay, we're going to have a soccer team and a baseball team and a tennis team and a softball team. And that's it. Um, and we're going to make those as good as we possibly can. And so those are the only teams that we have. Um, and we've never joined a conference and now we can't because nobody wants us in their conference because we're too strong. Um, and, and, uh, we've kind of taken the, this, this, uh, quality over quantity approach when it comes to, to creating our sports program here. So. so if you're not in a conference, how does the coach build the schedule just around whoever wants to play? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and that's getting harder and harder to do as they win more and more. <laughs> because nobody um, wants to doubt their record to right, win right, <laughs> right. And so, so the, the win that they had on Monday was actually against the number 15th ranked team in the, in the United States. Um, and we beat them five matches to zero. Okay, that's um, not just beating them. That's kind of slaughtering them. Right, too. right. And so, so that's kind of where we are right now as far as our tennis goes. <laughs> um, but yeah, the former record was actually also a men's tennis team. It was my, uh, University of Miami from Florida. Uh, won 137 matches in a row like 50 years ago in the 1950s and 1960s. Um, and, uh, and now it's Georgia Gwinnett College. Right on. So kudos to the Grizzlies. Go team. Um, all right. We have a lot of different things we want to talk about tonight. Um, first thing, let's talk about, what'd you say? Did you go for a run this weekend, George? I ran another marathon this past weekend. I cannot <laughs> believe that. I'm so shocked. Well, so Michelle, you have to remember though, I actually texted you. A week before this time. I, well, that's the only time I thought of it. Okay. So, so it was no, kind of funny. So much more advanced notice than the day before. Yes, correct. See, this is progress. Uh, the, the marathon that I did two and a half weeks ago, I decided to do it the day before. This one, I, I decided to do it a full week before, which was funny, by the way, because there were signs on the course that said things like, they were like these canned signs because there weren't a whole lot of fans out and stuff. So they just put signs on the course. And one of them, one of them said, this seemed like a good idea three weeks ago. And I was like, I didn't even know this marathon existed three weeks ago. So what I really want to know is when we talked about the impromptu Atlanta marathon, you said it never got to a point where you wished you hadn't done it or you had only done the half. Right. What happened this time? Was there a point of this was a dumb idea or? Fair question. <laughs> Mile the, three? <laughs> it, no, it went through my head. Uh, it went through my head around mile eight. 
Um, and, and that was the only time. And the reason why it did is because at mile eight is where I kind of started feeling a little bit of the fatigue. I felt like, um, both mental and physical fatigue. And, and I kind of went, Oh, maybe this wasn't <laughs> such a good idea. And that, and that was literally it. Um, and it, it, it definitely wasn't like at the moment where I was like trying to dig deep and really trying to finish in the last 10K and all that sort of thing. I never had a moment of doubt in those moments, which is good. That's when you like, you need to be clear headed all in. Right. I, sure. I never had that. And that's good. Um, but, but yeah, I did, it did cross my mind this time, whereas it didn't last time, but, but this time it definitely crossed my mind about an hour into the race, I would say. Um, and did you have people to run with or were you kind of just out there all alone? No. So, okay. So, so, so backing up a little bit, it was a Skidaway Island marathon. Skidaway Island is right off the coast of Georgia. It's one of the barrier islands there. It's really close to Savannah. And so my wife is out of town. And, and so my dad and my sons and I took a, took a Darden boys road trip down to Savannah. Um, and we, we um, stayed overnight in Savannah. I ran on Saturday morning um, we stuck around Savannah that afternoon um, and mostly just kind of stayed around our hotel. You know, the fellas swam and stuff like that. Uh, spent the night that night, drove back on Sunday by way of the farm where my dad grew up. And so we kind of stopped by there and, you know, saw a bunch of cows and, and, and all that sort of thing. And then then we're back by by Sunday afternoon. And so it was kind of a fun like boys bonding trip as well, which was great. Um, and so my dad got to spend some quality time with his grandsons, too, which is something that you know, we're always looking to try and increase, but, but anyway, so, so yeah, I, uh, I just kind of got in my head maybe a week before I was like, well, maybe, you know, let's see if there's this other marathon, the Skidaway. I, I don't, I don't remember how I happened across it on Google or something. I think I was reading about like marathons in Georgia or something and I happened across this one. And so I went ahead and signed up for it and I said, okay, I'm looking for new and different types of challenges running a marathon two weeks after having run another marathon. That is a different sort of challenge. Um, and so I quickly got in with Georgia sports massage and, and kind of got a few things worked out. And then, uh, my wife started making me a whole bunch of ginger and turmeric shots and, and I focused on hydration and I went out there on Saturday morning and did it. You know, I don't know if anybody else who listens feels like this, but I don't think even if I ran 26 miles at, you know, a, a comfortable pace, I just, my body can't be ready to go 26 miles again, two weeks later. Mm -hmm. You like, do you have that fitness or that endurance from the bike? Cause you don't run that much. <laughs> like, yeah. On, okay. So, so two things to say about it. One is, is like, I would be sore for a week, even if I ran slow, you'd, I would, yeah. I don't know. Well, I, but I, I was sore for a week. <laughs> That's the thing about it. And so, so I, I ran that at the Atlanta marathon at, at Atlanta motor speedway on Sunday I took three days off and didn't do where well, I took two days off and didn't do anything. Then did a super easy bike workout on Wednesday and then didn't do anything Took Thursday off and then kind of started getting back into things a little bit Friday. And, uh, and then as soon as I started getting back into things, I was like, well, now that I've taken, you know, four out of five, three out of four days off, maybe I should look at another marathon here. And then, and then, so I did. Um, but to be honest, Michelle, it actually went better than I thought it would. Like I was, I was like, this is probably not going to go well, but you know, what the hell, let's just kind of see how it goes. You know, a, a trial run of, of, of my 2023 Boston to big Sur. you know, um, let's just see how it goes. But what you didn't know that. When did you decide that? Boston to big Sur. As soon as I talked to, to, to Azuma Yamashita on it about the podcast a year or two ago. Oh yeah, totally. For 2023, it's already penciled in. It's penciled in, yeah, because because it, they're they're 
I, I can't do it in 2022 because I'm doing Tokyo in March of 2022. And so 2023, I'll do Boston to Big Sur. This, this is much more traditional for me. This is much more the way I tend to roll. But I, I've shifted <laughs> over the last few weeks. <laughs> so if you're going to go back to this, it's very confusing. I, okay, good point. Fair. <laughs> I need a moment like to process. <laughs> fair, fair. All right, so anyway. Um, so did you wear the beacons again or did you go for the no, Skechers? I went for the Skechers. Wow, that's great. Yeah. And, um, and, and I, I, I put a pair of heel lifts on them um, because they have a fairly low drop and, and just said, let's give it a shot. And, and, and actually they were great. You never um, thought about your feet? Never thought about my feet. Never That's once. Awesome. Yeah. Never once. And, and, and actually I felt less beaten up after this marathon than I did after the one two weeks ago. Um, and I don't know if that's obviously because I was better rested coming into this one since I had taken so much time off in the week after the last marathon. I don't know if it's because I got a fitness bounce from the last marathon, which is almost too ridiculous to really even suggest that that might be a factor. Um, and I, or I don't know if it was the shoes or I don't know if it was because this course was easier. I mean, it was a pancake flat course. There was some winding to it, but, you know, it's on a barrier island. I mean, it was a flat course yeah. and the weather was nice. And so so I don't I don't know if that had something to do with it either. But. Um, but one way or another, I felt less beaten up after this one than I did um, at the end of, of the Atlanta Marathon. And did um, your boys come watch you run? Was there a place to spectate or not really? Not really. Um, it was, the, it went 2.5 miles out and then took a big giant loop of Skidaway Island. I was super impressed with the course actually. And you know how I always say that one of my tests for a marathon is, is the Skidaway Marathon a marathon in Skidaway? It was very much. I saw egrets all over the place. There was Spartina and lots of lots of estuaries and stuff. So yeah, it was very cool. Um, going over bridges and cart paths and and through state parks and stuff. It was cool. Um, it was very pretty. Um, but um, but then so they saw me leave at the start, and then I ran around for you know roughly three hours, and then they were there at the finish. And so my dad was with them. Um, but they couldn't come out onto the course because the bulk of the course is inside the Skidaway Island community, which is actually gated. Got um, it. So, yeah, no, it was great. I, I had I took a wrong turn just before the 14 mile mark. Yeah. And how'd you do that? Like so, what happened? Was it not marked or? It was marked, but but it had a an arrow that pointed to the left. And so I took a hard left and went down a street. Um, it was more and, like a soft left. <laughs> well, it what, basically it was it was pointing you to go onto the sidewalk um, oh. as a after we had been running on the road. And it was basically like arrow, get on the sidewalk. And I was like, oh, arrow, turn. And so I turned. Figure out that you had taken the wrong turn because because I was sitting there running around, and then half a dozen people run down the street as well because they all kind of followed me down there, and we all sort of look around. And then one of one of the guys goes, I think I saw another sign back up here, and so we ran back up to the top of the road where we had taken the wrong turn. And there was indeed another sign right there pointing you to continue, can basically continue on. Um, but I mean, there was basically a turn arrow when you're supposed to go straight. Got it. Um, and so, so yeah, I lost about two minutes, you know, running circles around this cul-de-sac trying to figure out what to do. <laughs> I don't think I lost any places because I ended up passing three people in the 26th mile, which is an endorsement of the shoes or potentially an endorsement of the shoes as well. Um, but had I not caught those three people or had I finished like a minute behind them, I, yeah, I probably would have been pretty upset about the fact I took the, took the wrong turn. I didn't care all that much about the time because, you know, the challenge was doing the second marathon in two weeks here. Um, and, and the time was, you know, it was bound to be 15 to 20 minutes slower than what I want to do in a big focus marathon anyway, um, just because of where I am in my training and, and, and all that sort of thing. But, 
Um, but catching those three people, I think that preserved or that caught up any places that I might've lost otherwise. And so I felt okay about it. Um, and I actually, and it's, it's possible that I could have actually gained time from it. And this might be a little bit of a stretch, but like I came out of there and one of the people who caught me kind of freaked out a little bit and actually took off kind of fast. And I ended up sort of following him and he ended up finishing one place in front of me in the race, but he kind of dragged me over the next 10 miles to my fastest 10 miles of the race. And so if that guy hadn't been there and hadn't been so charged with adrenaline after making a wrong turn, would I have sped up like that? Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Um, And so, so, so that might've actually, yeah, you don't know. But I mean, that, that might've actually made up for that two minutes. So, um, so is there another marathon in two weeks? <laughs> we need to look at the calendar one. for the first weekend in April. <laughs> I haven't looked. Maybe I should look. We'll see. Um, no, no, I don't know. You know, I, 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 but I will say this. One reason why, why I circle back to it or why I felt okay circling back to another in-person race is because I felt like Atlanta Track Club did a lot of cool stuff. The race director of this race didn't do anything. I mean, that's not but, surprising though, is it? Small no, town. it's not. But, but, th- but this was, this was not, you know, a safe race experience. This was not, you know, he, he basically said, Hey, put on a mask if you want to. Um, but the numbers were actually larger than they normally are. Cause people were looking for a race and, and, yeah, and this race was going. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I, I think that, that, that I kind of felt iffy about doing an in-person race, but then felt confident after the Atlanta track club race. I don't feel confident anymore about that. And so I don't want to go into another situation like that in a couple of weeks. And so, so I won't, um, but, but so I say that now, you know, check with me again in a couple of days when we're only one week out. So, <laughs> so that was Saturday. Today's Wednesday. Have you run since? Yes. Wow. I ran, I ran Tuesday, which is, and that's actually the fastest I've, I've sort of bounced back and run. So I took Sunday off. I rode my bike on Monday and then I ran yesterday and I mostly, I didn't feel sore. I mostly just felt beaten up. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I've always joked that I'm aspiring ultra runner, man. Um, and so maybe we can figure out some way to make that happen. I don't know. I mean, yeah. you got to go like at least 26.3. <laughs> well, with the wrong turn, I was like at 26.6. So, oh, so. when you ran an ultra, you're done. So, oh yeah, good. There we go. There we go. I think I am going to do the Yeti challenge sometime over the course of the next month or so. So I'll, I'll be sure to let you know when I do that, but, oh, but, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, all right, let's talk about a couple of quick things here. Um, talk about a few marathons. We want to talk about the Boston Marathon because they did actually open up registration this week. Um, but before we talk about the Boston Marathon, we want to talk about uh, a Boston legend, uh, a guy who's actually from Massachusetts, and that's Dick Hoyt. Um, Dick Hoyt is the father and the father and son team that is Team Hoyt. Um, and he's 80 years old and he died this morning, unfortunately. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday night and he died or and he died in his sleep uh, overnight on on Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, the news kind of came out this afternoon um, and we were sorry to see that. Um, if you're not familiar with the Hoyts, let me kind of mention real quickly. Um, Dick began his running career with his son, Rick, in 1977. Um, at that point, Dick was a 36 year old guy who had never really run before. Um, he was retired. Uh, Air National Guard guy. Um, And his son, Rick, um, who had spastic uh, cerebral palsy and uh, quadriplegia, um, uh, expressed the desire to participate in a five-mile road race uh, that was a benefit for a paralyzed uh, lacrosse player. Um, And like I said, Rick at that point was 15. Dick was 36, had never run. 
Um, and they ran it together and, and following the race, Rick uh, reportedly told his father, dad, when I'm running, it feels like I'm not disabled. Um, and so his dad leaned into it. Um, he used to put this big bag of concrete into the wheelchair um, and push that. Um, and, and while Rick was at school in order to get stronger and to get fitter. Um, and it turns out that Dick was pretty amazing athlete actually. Um, and, and that, that he had a lot of talent for this. Um, they ended up running 72 marathons, including 32 Boston marathons. They ran their first one in 1981. Uh, they ran their last one in 2014. I actually passed them, um, when I went to, uh, or when I ran the Boston marathon in 2000. Um, I passed them around maybe the eight mile mark or something like that. I was like, Hey, way to go Hoyt. Cause I had heard of them yeah. at that point. They had become famous inside of the, of the running community. Yeah. Um, and then I actually ultimately ended up meeting them in 2010 at the Walt Disney world marathon. They were there kind of there as, as, as celebrities um, and, uh, and got to meet them and talk to them for a little while, which is pretty cool. Uh, but anyway, they also did 257 triathlons. Um, uh, Dick would actually put Rick in a boat and, and would drag him and then would put him in this specially made bicycle where Rick actually sat up front. Um, they did six Ironmans um, and they, uh, they did uh, the Ironman World Championship in 1989 and 1999, they completed it. They had at least one other time when they tried it and DNF'd. Um, and they might have actually had two DNFs in Kona because it's a, it's a hard race to finish for sure. Um, so, but yeah, they had two finishes in 1989 and 1999. Um, in 1992, they did a 45-day, 3,735-mile bike and run across the continental United States. Um, it's kind of incredible. Um, and so, like, the stuff that they did as a duo is just stuff that, like, anybody who looked back on their their, their time as, as an endurance athlete would be proud and would say they had a, a really good um, career. But um, the most incredible thing, of course, um, is that they did it together. Um, and in doing this, um, Dick and Rick really forced open a lot of doors um, for uh, disabled athletes. Um, and they made it clear that the disabled athletes should have the right to participate in sports and sporting events and reap the same sorts of benefits um, that Michelle and I and Eric and Patrick all reap from, from competing in endurance sports as well. Um, and, and most of the people that you see participating in endurance events today, um, people related to the Kyle Pease Foundation or to Angela's Angels and things like that, um, owe a debt of gratitude to, to Dick and Rick Hoyt for, for what it is that they did. Um, Michelle, have you, have you met them before? I've never met them. I did see them when I was in Boston, um, but... I mean, I've read about them, you know, all over the place. So, uh, pretty big loss. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. was sick though, wasn't he? I mean, he was already not. Yeah. Yeah. He had had some health problems over the last few years. He had, he had retired from, from doing the Boston marathon. Uh, Rick has done a few more Boston marathons, um, with, uh, with another partner. Um, but, but Dick had kind of retired, um, and then it faced him and he was 80 years old. Um, I mean, guy was still running sub threes pushing his son, um, in a wheelchair, uh, in his upper fifties. Um, so just incredible, uh, amazing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he, he was on, um, a broadcast of Kona in the early two thousands. Um, and I remember him being interviewed and he was talking about how, um, people who are disabled should be able to do what everybody else is able to do. 
They should be able to go to the movies. They should be able to get college degrees. They should be able to eat in restaurants and they should be able to do endurance sports. Um, and I remember him saying that and it really, really resonated with me. Um, and then of course, now as a dad, <laughs> I have uh, a much deeper appreciation, not only for, for his accomplishment and what he did for his son, but for his reasons why. Yeah. I think his reasons why are the best part of all of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was asked one time because people saw how fast he went while pushing his son. And they're like, have you ever thought about maybe, you know, not pushing your son and, and trying to train for a really fast marathon or trying to do, you know, a low, low, you know, sub 10 Ironman or something like that. And he said, no, about that for him at all. Exactly. He said, that's just, you know, the fact that we go this fast is just sort of what we do. Um, but, but it's not about going fast for us. That's not the point. Yeah. I love that. I thought it was great. So, yeah. yeah, so it's a loss, but, um, you know, we're finishing up our book of the quarter, um, and we're going to be talking about it next week. Um, Dick Hoyt has a book it's called devoted. So maybe we'll add that to the list of possibles for the next quarter. Um, I, I already bought the, uh, the audio book today because, <laughs> because oh, I figure, I figure I'll go ahead and listen to it sometime, you know, <laughs> over the course of the next short while here. Is that um, your audible credit for this month? <laughs> so that is my audible credit for this month. Um, Mine doesn't and, uh, regenerate till next week. So, maybe <laughs> so it's, it's a well-spent audible credit. Um, no kidding. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. So I will, I will look forward to listening to that, but, but yeah. Um, so rest in peace, uh, Decoy. Uh, let's talk about the Boston Marathon. Um, Boston Marathon was opening registration this week, right? Yeah, we actually have something to talk about for real. Uh, they announced not virtual that, registration, registration for in-person race. Right, not the 70,000 people virtual race, but uh, the Boston Athletic Association announced that uh, the race that's scheduled to be held in October, on October 11th, will open um, for what is not first come, first serve. Um, you'll have four days to register, Tuesday, April 20th through Friday, April 23rd. Qualifying times are as of September 2018, so technically the same window um, that you know was available for everybody who was qualified for 2020, but didn't get to qualify, plus everybody that would be eligible to have run this past April. Um, your age bracket is the age on race day. So if you happen to turn 40 in June and age up, I'm not sure who that would be. Um, you get five extra. <laughs> June. So, is, is there a specific June date where this hypothetical person might be turning 40? <laughs> I mean, maybe. <laughs> so yeah, I think um, they announced the field size is going to be cut by a third. So we're looking probably a little bit more than a third. We're looking at about 20,000 runners. And they're going to cut it, um, you know, across the board, even with what the qualifiers and the charity runners are. So we're looking at about 80% qualifier, 20% charity spot. So um, the predictions are wild. I think, you know, most people are saying that you're going to need a 10 minute plus cutoff. Um, I don't have that. I have a seven minute, 50 second cutoff. And I think that's going to be pretty close. I think I'd be surprised if it was a full 10 minutes, but I do think it's going to be up in that eight, nine close to 10 minute range. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they said, you know, in addition to a smaller field than in previous years, we will have significant additional protocols in place to ensure participant and public health. We are committed to making the oldest annual marathon in the world as safe as possible in October. So mm -hmm. it seems like the way that, you know, vaccines, um, I mean, they're lagging, but they are picking up in the bigger cities. It seems really realistic that this could 
happen in October, uh, along with the rest of the fall world marathon majors. So yeah, now we just wait for registration and then we wait to see what the cutoff is. So it'll be interesting. For sure. I'm getting my first shot this weekend. So that's good. So yeah, I'm, I'm, awesome. I'm doing what I can to, pro, to, to promote the vaccination drive. I know you've already been vaccinated, right? I have been vaccinated and I actually read. My wife's uh, been vaccinated yeah. as well. That's yeah. Everybody should vaccinate. Just Absolutely. I make this a political podcast, but I'm pretty. That's not political. Yeah. Okay. Getting vaccinated is not political. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty pro vaccine over here. Um, but I did read this weekend. Flagstaff is already. If you're in Flagstaff, if you're thir- they're they're down to 35 and over. I mean, they are just killing it. Like, awesome. so hopefully, you know, things pick up and um, right on happens. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and 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 it should be pointed out too. Like you said, it's down to 20,000. They didn't talk about what their specific COVID protocols are. They mentioned distancing and that sort of thing in the athletes' village in the in the starting line, the finish line. But they suggested that twenty thousand number is not a random number. They're not just lopping off this this big amount. They're saying this is the number that in in conversation with city officials, town officials, with public health officials, this is the amount that we feel like we can institute protocols and safety nets with. Yeah. Um, and so, so I, I think that's interesting. I look forward to seeing what the rest of it is. Yeah. To underline what, what Michelle said the last few years, they've said, okay, on the first week, like people who are 20 minutes faster than the cutoff can, or the qualifying time can sign up. And then the second week it's 10 minutes faster, that sort of thing. It's not, it's four days. Everybody signs up. Yeah. Um, Michelle. And it's again, April 20th, to April 23rd, there is one member of the podcast team that missed the Boston Marathon a year or two ago because they forgot to sign up on the date. Um, but does he even have a qualifying time? <laughs> so I don't know if Mr. Ollinger has a qualifying time or not. Um, but I mean, the qualifying window is pretty big. So that's between true. the qualifying oh, wait, window. Of course he does. He, we were at CIM together. Oh, that's right. He has the same one you do. <laughs> same race you do. Um, that was just so long ago. <laughs> I know. I was so young back then. <laughs> Dece- yeah, December 2018. Um, yeah, my, my marathon PR was in May of 2019. So I, I have one as well. But um, but but yeah, between the qualifying window being big and then the age up af- effect, if you will, um, and then, of course, the smaller caps, um, that's going to make, make it a little bit more competitive to actually get in. Uh, two questions for you, Michelle. First sure. question, are, are you applying? Are you going to try and go? I'm definitely going to apply. Um, I do like that. I know we talk about, we talk about Lauren Fogarty a lot lately, don't we? Um, so we have a she's really kind of great. Yeah, she's kind of great. Um, we have a pretty similar time. We have an 11 second spread. So I think it would be kind of fun to like, either we both get in or we both lose out. I don't know. <laughs> Misery loves company, but or then if, also- or, if, or if the, the cutoff is right in between the two of you. <laughs> I mean, that would be really, that'd be so sad that would, uh, I sad. Hope that that would make me so, that would make me even more sad than both of you yeah that'd be really bad for you you'd have mm-hmm. to deal with both of us in that um i would say there's no road marathon that my heart is in right now that i uh would sign up for but i will register for this does okay. that make sense because makes sense. i don't want to lose out on um the opportunity yeah so that makes sense it makes sense um, I'm not going to be signing up, um, but just because I have, I'm supposed to have Berlin, you know, only, only a week or so beforehand, two weeks beforehand. So, um, I, I figure if, if Boston's going to happen, Berlin's probably going to happen. Um, and so, so hopefully I will be, 
uh, at fighting weight and ready to roll and my Skechers Speed Elite go run speed elite hypers on the starting line of the Berlin marathon. Of course, two weeks, you know, hey, that's no big deal, right? I can run two marathons in two weeks and do that all the um, time. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, not planning on doing that. Um, but second question, are you going to put it out there here in late March of 2021? What you think the cutoff time is actually going to be? Um, I think it's going to be 8.58. Nice. What do you think? I, I had said nine minutes. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've told a couple of people nine minutes and that's not based on any inside information, any number crunching, anything else. It's just a, a gut feeling, a random guess. Nine minutes is my guess. All right. So that's where we are on Boston. I think that's good. Let's talk about another race that also opened up the registration this week. The AJC Peachtree Road Race. Did you sign up for that one? You know, I am a horrible Atlanta track club non-member right now because I have renewed <laughs> my membership. So I should probably do that. Um, and I'm tempted to sign up, but I'm also really tempted to try the track 10K again. Like, mm-hmm. like what I wanted to do last year. And then I got injured because, yeah. you know, we went right from training hard to Boston to the 10K. And I remember that. didn't realize I might need a little bit of I don't know. Uh, so I guess if I trained for a 10 K on the track in June, I mean, why wouldn't I sign up for the peach tree? I think so. Why not? I signed up. You're so much more, this is so opposite. So, so no, signing up for the peach tree road race is not that weird. So, um, but, but no, I signed up. So the peach tree road race has announced that, that they're going to be doing things a little bit differently this year. They haven't talked a whole lot about the way it's all exactly going to work. The one thing we do know is that they're splitting the world's largest 10K into a two-day event. Um, they also have a virtual option, which like I said, uh, I've said a couple of times over the course of the past couple of weeks, I think it's gonna be kind of the norm like moving forward. I think pretty much everything is gonna have a virtual option for now on and I'm okay with that. Um, but but um, July 4th is sort of the traditional day for the Peachtree Road Race. And uh, there have been 50, this will be the 51st edition of the Peachtree Road Race. Um, and, and the first time they're offering it on the third and the fourth, um, I actually signed up for the third. (laughs) So I was going to ask, is it every single, so is it, is it just, you pick your day and they're going to have start waves both days, waves both days? Yeah. I really don't know because, because I also put in, they said, okay, well, you know, what, what, what's your predicted time? So I put in my predicted time. They said, well, if you can think you're going to run that time, you need to show us that you've run a 10K in this time over the course of the last couple of years. And so I sent them a result of that. Like, and so in other words, I'll get a seated number, I'll get a low number, but I don't know if they're gonna have like a seated group and then a subseated group on like both days. I mean, is it gonna be two separate races? You know, they're not gonna have like a pro division on both days. They're gonna have all the pros together on a single day. So because I wanna get a fast number, does that mean I'm gonna have to run on the fourth? I really don't know. Yeah, the amount of questions surrounding the virtual Peachtree um, and the Peachtree being offered on two days makes me think we we need to invite somebody from Atlanta Track Club on our podcast. And I think that's a fine idea. I think that's a fine idea. I signed up for the third um, because I I heard a couple of people and I was in correspondence with a couple of people over the course of the past week that basically said, I'm not going to do the Peachtree unless I do it on the fourth because it's not the Peachtree Road Race unless it's on July 4th. I don't feel that way. Like, I still think it's the PC road race and, and I don't have a problem doing it on the third rather than the fourth. And so I figured I would just go ahead and sign up on the third rather than take a spot away from somebody on the fourth who really thinks it has to be on the fourth. Um, I'll do it on the third. Um, but 
like I said, I put in that time. And if they tell me I have to do it on the fourth, then I guess I'll end up doing it on the fourth, but we'll see. Right. Um, they also had race day number pickup, which for the Peachtree Road race feels insane. <laughs> so would that just be in the mall parking lot? Or I, they I presume so. Pay, but I guess where else would it be? I presume so. I had to pay extra for it, even though it's usually the opposite. Usually you have to pay extra in order to get your number ahead of time. And I had to pay extra okay. in order to get my number that is on race so day. Poor. The so, extra money. <laughs> so yeah, well, I mean, not having to make an extra trip down to Atlanta, not having to go to the expo. Sure. Um, uh, yeah, I don't want to do any of that. Um, and so, so I paid extra to, to actually pick up my number on race day. So we'll see how that actually works. But, um, but no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I have, I think, I think the Atlanta track club, the way that they have pivoted and the way that they have been creative in trying to make events still happen. I've been super impressed with that. It's um, been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think they've been industry leading. Um, and, and, and that's something that for, for a group that says that they're the track club for running city USA, that's the sort of thing you're supposed to do, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I would argue that they were, they got out ahead of the BAA. They got out ahead of New York road runners. They definitely got out ahead of LA. Um, yeah. yeah, you're right. I think they are definitely leading, uh, the industry in this right now. Yeah. So. Well, and, it, and it's, and it's, it's them, it's them leading the industry is the reason why when they announced that the Atlanta marathon last a couple weekends ago was going to be with all these COVID protocols in place. That's the reason why I was like, I want to do that race. Um, and, and whether it was a 5k or the half marathon or the marathon, I would know, I, I knew I wanted to do some race on one of those days. Cause I want to support their efforts to, to provide safe racing. Um, and that's kind of the way I, I continue to feel about the PC road race that, that, you know, I, I like the PC road race. I think it's cool. Um, I, I, I can, I, I cannot run it and still feel as if my year is complete. Um, but, uh, but I, I want to continue to support the Atlanta track club in doing what it is that they're doing. Cause I think they're doing the right thing. Um, yeah. and so, I'm so I'm faux Peachtree runner. I didn't run my first Peachtree till I was 35. So. <laughs> I, so it is fun. I do really like it. I mean, I've never run it well. I've never really been in good, decent shape. Mm. Um, but it's always been fun just to be out there with everybody and the excitement and the camaraderie. So for sure. I agree with you on that for sure. And, and I have, and this circles around a little bit to, to what we're talking about with Decoy. I, I, so a few years ago in the Peace Orders in 2017, I was in the push assist division. Um, and I pushed just a night. Um, and there's only three people in the division, but, but three of us, um, qualified for the race and, and, and then we all, we all competed. Um, and, and that was, that was difficult to do in the back half of that course. It's pretty hilly. Um, but after that race, um, I went to like a reception at the shepherd center, which is one of the industry leaders in, in spinal rehabilitation throughout the United States. Um, and it's right at the halfway point of the course. And so there was this reception and I went to the reception, I had breakfast and, and, and then my wife was going to be passing with some of her friends and another athlete in front of the podcast named Kat Gerd, um, who literally gave birth like the next day. Um, and, and, um, they were going to be passing. And, and so I went outside in front of the shepherd center and was watching just the throngs, the tens of thousands of people go by waiting for my wife to come along. And there was this guy and I can't remember if I've told this, this story on this podcast before or not, but there was this guy who had evidently been in the, in the Shepherd Center for like 55 days. He'd been there for a while and, and was struggling and was not walking and, and, um, but was out there watching because a lot of people from the Shepherd Center come out and they watch because it's this big, you know, Atlanta community event. 
And and in watching that, he stood up and ended up walking like 25 feet. And of course, like his handlers are out there with them. And they're like, this is amazing. You're doing great. You know, and they're encouraging. And then the, the crowd walking by or the, the PC road race, the participants catch on to what's going on and they all start cheering for him. It was like, it was, it was amazing. It was fantastic. Um, and I think I had, I gained a really new appreciation for the PC road race and, and how much it means to people and, and what it can be on that day. So ever since then, I've, I've, I've been a fan of the PC road race. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, there is what to be a fan of. For sure. All right. So piece your road race down. Dick Hoyt, we talked about him. We talked about the, the Boston Marathon. We have two more things we want to talk about. Let's talk about Des Linden. Let's we talk didn't, about her. We didn't talk about her last week and we wanted to and we didn't. And so I want to talk about her now. Yeah. Uh, we found out last week that um, Des needed another challenge. Uh, and she is going to go after the 50K world record. Uh, the current record, it's 31.1 miles, is three hours, seven minutes, 20 seconds. It was set in 2019 uh, by Allie Dixon. She's from Great Britain. And I know we all followed, and we've spoken about it here on the podcast, uh, Des's uh, Tober challenge, where she ran the mileage per whatever the day of the month was, the first second. And then by October 31st, she ran 31 miles. Mm-hmm. Um, and she basically said that during the pandemic, I think the biggest thing I figured out was just to find ways to make running fun and interesting and fresh and new. Destober was a lot of fun. It was just about going out and loving the run and also connecting with people. But I feel like I learned a lot about myself and the ultra world is always something Ryan and I have kicked around. Now, Ryan is her husband. Um, And yeah, she has alluded several times um, since her Boston Marathon win in 2018 that she likely, we would likely not see her retire. We would rather see her move uh, into ultras. So Mm -hmm. um, I think people were wondering whether she was going to, you know, keep her Olympic alternate spot, but also try to run a track 10K. And so this was kind of surprising because this wasn't really in the realm of I think what anybody was expecting, she had gone back to the track. She had tried to do some shorter, faster stuff, but she definitely, uh, she posted a 26.1 mile workout the other day, what she called a workout for 26.1 miles. Um, and she looks super fit. Mm -hmm. So, um, and she also basically said that her goal after this, uh, she might dip her toes and try to get a 10 K trials qualifier, but, that the plan is really to get back to a world marathon major in the fall um, and, and run it really well. Uh, So I think she's definitely showing, you know, she's just not done. Um, She's just got more fire in her. So I'm super excited about this. Um, I I love the quotation you read. I love the first sentence, the first sentence, because, and I love it because I'm, because I've said the same thing about myself. Um, I mean, she said it more, more articulately than, than I've said it, but, but, you know, throughout this time, trying to find out, find new challenges in order to keep running fresh and fun. I mean, I'm totally with that. Um, and, and so, so, so I, I'm, I'm definitely here for that. Where and when? Um, because of the pandemic, I think the most information we have been given is that it is going to be in April, but at a not disclosed location currently. Um, okay. I think eventually, I mean, I don't think she's going to show up, you know, somewhere and just run a 50k for a world record i think we'll find out you know within some point in time before she starts her attempt but right now i have not seen it disclosed anywhere so um 
Yeah, that's pretty exciting. I think, you know, she's been in Michigan, she's down in Phoenix, which is where she typically goes in winter. And um, I'm super excited for her. I think, you know, I also think she, there is such a high potential. I mean, Alephine just started running. She's eight weeks postpartum. She's been running one week. You know, she, her goal is to get to hundred to 115 miles by June and then to be, you know, Olympic marathon ready by August. I would say if you were the runner up at the marathon trials and you're Des Linden, you probably have a greater chance of potentially being called up to fill that third spot hmm. than most other Olympic alternates. So, um, I mean, I think she's just going to be busy. She'll do this in the spring. You know, we might see her on the track. That'd be crazy to see her on the track. She could mm-hmm. go to the Olympics, but if not, then it sounds like we're definitely going to get to see her race a big marathon in the fall. So cool. Uh, yeah. I think big it's great. Day, so. I agree. I agree. I am here for people finding new challenges and keeping running fun in the midst of all this craziness here. Excellent. So good luck to Des Lennon, of course. Um, and, you know, there's all three of these so-called races that we've talked about here, the Boston Marathon, the Peachtree Road Race, and then Des's 50K, they all have like more details yet to be determined. And so, so I imagine we'll probably circle around with a little bit, uh, with all of them a little bit over the course of the next few weeks here. Um, all right. So very yeah, glad. He keeps posting 26.1 mile workouts like that, right. we're going to circle back to those because that right. was amazing. No, yeah, she, she, she posted it and I actually took a screenshot of it and sent it to Michelle. And Michelle, of course, was like, she, she did this two days ago. And I was like, all right, but I'm just not seeing it. <laughs> what is this? That was so yesterday. Um, and so, but it, but it, it was basically, I was like, did she just go out and run a marathon at, at, at and she, you said, no, it was a fart lick. And I was like, okay, that makes a little bit more sense. instead of the fact that it's almost exactly marathon distance, but yeah, it was, it was titled on Strava chill AF. Um, and <laughs> yeah. so, so, and, and then, and then the, the accompanying picture was her like, you know, drinking some whiskey afterwards or something. So, um, yeah. So, so clearly she's enjoying her training right now too. Got a good which, life, man. <laughs> so, so yeah, she's, she's a hard worker. Um, all right. Last thing we're going to talk about is NCAA cross country and indoor championships, because we can't yeah, let it go that those two races were on the same weekend, um, yeah, in a totally unprecedented fashion here. So, um, so let's talk about those real quick as well. Um, the, just to kind of set it up and, and mention what it is we're talking about here. Um, the NCAA cross country championships, which are normally in the fall, they're normally in November, uh, were postponed and they were put this weekend in March. Likewise, the NCAA indoor track championships were also this past weekend. This is their normal time to be. Um, and I think when the NCAA initially put the cross country championships this weekend, and we, when we actually talked about it on this podcast a few months ago, I think they thought that indoor probably wasn't going to happen. They weren't going to be able to pull it off. Um, that's what we said on the podcast. Well, indoor is probably not going to happen. And so it's not going to be that big a deal. Well, they ended up having both of them. Um, and so not only was that strange that they had two NCAA championships in the same weekend, but you also had a bunch of athletes who doubled back and did both, um, which I thought was interesting. So just to kind of talk about real quick, um, the Northern Arizona men uh, won yet another cross country championship. They have won four of the last five years. They have won cross country championships. Uh, They placed four men in the top nine. um, And the winner was from NAU is a guy named Connor Mance. And he's the first American winner of the NCAA cross country championships that we've had in almost two decades. Um, and so uh, big kudos to him and big kudos to, to NAU. Um, on the women's side, uh, there was a runner named Mercy uh, Chellengat from Alabama won. Um, and then BYU women won the team title. They actually lost by only six points to Arkansas 
2019 and they had to wait more a than year a year, a year and a half in order to be able to try and come back and win again. And they did. Um, and so that's pretty cool. Um, and that's definitely a big challenge to try and keep that sort of focus and that sort of fire and momentum through all the things that happened over the course of the past year and a half and come back and redeem yourselves in that way. So kudos to them. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, do you know the score of the second place men's team? Uh, it was Notre Dame and it was the, it was the lowest second place score in a really long time. It was like 89 or something, wasn't it? I mean, it is crazy that that was their score and they are second place. I mean, that's yeah. just, just if you can understand that it's just NAU is just, and they're young. Some mm -hmm. of them are young. I mean, yeah. It's, yeah, no, NAU's, NAU's second stuff. runner. Yeah, NAU's second runner was also an American guy, finished fourth overall named Nico Young. Um, and, and Isn't he just, a freshman? He's a fresh, he's a true freshman. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is, which is incredible. Yeah. So, so they not only had a great race, they also have a very bright future. <laughs> um, then at the indoor track meet, uh, the Arkansas women won uh, the team title, the Oregon men won the team title. But like I said, the interesting fact, and I want to hear what Michelle has to say about this, is that there were 47 athletes that did both races. So the indoor race was on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Cross country was on Monday. Um, and so the indoor meet was in, it was in Indianapolis. Is that right, Michelle? Uh, it was. Yeah. And then, and then cross country was in Stillwater, Oklahoma. And so they were just close enough together <laughs> that you could probably hop in a van and make that trip right after you won big race. So 47 athletes did exactly that. Um, and I'm just going to read directly from let's run.com here where they were talking about it. They put on the men's side, Iowa State's Wesley Kiptu was the most successful doubler. He set a meet record of 1323 to win the 5000 in NCAA indoors on Friday and doubled back to finish third at NCAA XC and NCAA cross country three days later. Florida State's Adrian Wildschut was also very successful, taking fourth behind Kiptu in the 5000 and finishing second at NCAA cross country. On the women's side, Air Force's Mahalia Norris was fourth in the 5,000 and fourth at NCAA cross country, while Taylor Rowe of Oklahoma State took second at NCAA cross country after anchoring the Cowgirls to fourth in the NCAA distance medley relay. Four of the top five finishers in the women's race at NCAA cross country were doubling back from NCAA indoors. Let me say that again. <laughs> Four of the top five were doubling back in the women's race. In all, eight men and 15 women were all Americans in cross country after running NCAA indoors. I mean, that blows my mind you know, a little bit. NCAA indoors was just like a shakeout. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, um, and, the, and the logistics of it to me strike me just as much. To, to run that high a level on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then turn around and then, then travel down and had the mental and physical will to be able to, to perform at that high a level again in a completely different setting, a very difficult course. It was, it was, it was like 18 mile per hour winds. Um, it, it was evidently a very difficult day on Monday as well. Yeah. Um, also my hesitancy with saying that, yes, it was in Indianapolis is because I was thinking that you're wrong, that it was in Fayetteville at Arkansas on their new yeah. indoor track. And I think we, need to correct that. So. Oh, okay. Very good. So, so I did have it wrong. All right. So, yeah. so Fayetteville, Arkansas is a little bit closer to Stillwater, Oklahoma. Yeah. So, so, so that makes it no less impressive. <laughs> no, <laughs> Even I though mean, they are closer, but, but, but I thank you for correcting no, me. Just the mentality of, um, you know, 
spiking up for indoor track and then coming back yeah. out and going out to race across country distance race. I yeah. mean, men, women, whatever the distance, it doesn't matter. It's just, no, it's, it's unprecedented. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody yeah. has any concept of going from an indoor track NCAA championship to a cross country course. And now what they just take a little bit of time off and then go right to outdoor. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, but it yeah. was totally worth having the cross country season like this, because I do think, especially for BYU, yeah. um, you know, they really kind of, I think this is how it would have played out anyway. And even though it was abbreviated, they weren't, you know, BYU was on the track last time, you know, this time last year, and they came out and said, we're not doing this because of COVID, you have to go home. She had to, you know, recover uh, with her athletes from that. So for them to come back out and the first time they get a chance at NCAAs. Um, and I also think they won the DMR indoor, didn't they? Did they? BYU so, women. Yeah. I mean, so, I think they had a really good week. Yeah. So, okay. Um, we can check that, but yeah, I think I'm okay. Very good. Yeah. If, if I ever had any doubts of whether it was, whether it was a good idea or whether it was worth it to actually pull together cross country and fail the Arkansas uh, in, in March um, and, and sort of have this replacement meet, the fact that the BYU women won it, like yeah. puts those doubts to rest. Yeah. Um, their DMR win was so cool. a, a school record time. So awesome. um, it was pretty cool. Yeah. So. That is cool. So think about the memories those girls have. That's just those women, those young women have. That's, that's amazing. That's fantastic. It feels a little bit probably like redemption for them. So absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well with that, let's kind of wrap it up. Um, so lots of stories and lots of interesting things happening in the world of, of running and the world of endurance sports. And so, um, Michelle, thanks for being with me. It's always fun. Thanks, George. We'll see you next week. Good night. Thanks again for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast, on Twitter at pleasantpodcast, or on Instagram, Most Pleasant Exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, so share us with your friends. Don't forget that we're sponsored by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter at itlcoaching, on Facebook at facebook.com slash itlcoachingperformance, and on Instagram, ITL Coaching. We're also sponsored by Blue Pineapple Travel, bluepineappletravel.com, facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, and on Instagram, bluepineappletravel. And finally, don't forget we're sponsored by SlayRx. That's slayrx.com, facebook.com slash here for SlayRx. That's the number four, SlayRx. Twitter, at official SlayRx, and Instagram, here for SlayRx, the number four, SlayRx. Discount code PLEASANT21. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. See you next time.